0: Have you adopted
1: your, your kid yet, or are you still going through that?
0: Not yet. We've still got uh, a good bit of time, probably, you know, within the next year. Still hoping, that okay. within that span of time. It seems to be a, a large span of time, uh, but can't guarantee one thing or the other.
1: Just within the next year, hopefully. So, why, why did you make the decision, you and your wife, why did you make the decision to adopt?
0: Well, it was a huge, uh, huge question that we've had. Um, We've been married for five years now, and so, I mean, we're young, I'm 25, so uh, children didn't really come into the picture because we wanted to make sure that we wanted, that we were uh, stable Mm -hmm. in a good place. Fair enough. uh, Before we actually pursued having children or adoption or anything like that. Yeah. I had not fully considered uh, fostering or adopting uh, until probably uh, probably 2019, last year. Okay. Um, we had, I had a conversation with a friend uh, it, who I met up with on a regular basis, um, you know, every couple months or so. Um, and we had a conversation about adoption and he had been adopted and so uh, he got to share his experience and uh, as a Christian um, we've talked about I mean part of the Christian faith is our adoption uh, into into God's family okay. and uh, and that had kind of worked its way into our conversation that one of the best things that can be done uh, for a child in need is to bring them into a family Mm -hmm. um and so we kind of opened up the possibilities uh and and our options uh, in our future family that adoption would be one of those options yeah
1: so was that a hard decision were you guys torn about that for a while
0: yeah uh you know we had we've had like i said um we're young so we've Had career opportunities. Uh, We both graduated college, my wife and I, Uh, gotten set into our kind of our career field, Mm -hmm. and uh, and we weren't sure what bringing in another person into our family dynamic was going to look like. (laughs) Yes, and and like that's that is so true that no one is really ever prepared to be a parent. Um, It's just because you're dealing with another human being with. Mm-hmm. A, with their own will and their own decisions to make and their own bad decisions to make. Right. And you know, you get used to a, a spouse, mm-hmm. right? And, and how they interact with you, and you learn how to interact with them. Uh, and usually that takes years, you know, dating, engagement, and then of course marriage and how long that takes to get used to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, particularly with adoption, that's bringing in a A child who probably has had developmental delays or uh, trauma in their history yeah uh, that really affects their mood swings and and their own reactions uh, that this brings in a different kind of uh, struggle a different kind of challenge Mm -hmm. that we would have to be prepared for Um, so it really is kind of a psychological thing to to prepare your mind for the uh, the hardship, yeah, you know the um, the stress, the time, the attention that it takes mm-hmm. uh, to
1: take care of them properly. So, what was the thought process immediately before you said, "Hey, I'm ready"?
0: Well, we had opened ourselves up uh, for doc- for foster care, got into that. Uh, process and uh, and part of the foster care system is to take care of a child temporarily Mm -hmm. Um, that is probably the broadest sense for foster care Uh, but you can't adopt through foster care so once we had taken that temporary step into into caring for a child um, we really considered his his needs And long-term, what that was going to look like, Mm -hmm. was he going to uh, need a permanent home? And would we be the best place for him? Would we provide the most resources um, and be ideal? Mm -hmm. Um, So the moment before we decided, um, we thought if he leaves us, if, if our foster child leaves us, Will he be going to a better place, or is there a better home for him to go to? Mm-hmm. and I'm not to say that there's no other family that could treat him well and raise him well, yeah um, but that we have been positioned so so well to take him on um, that we weren't we weren't as hesitant as we were before, okay. we thought you know the struggles are there, and they they yeah. are they are you yeah. know um, but that we have been kind of just kind of we've been put in a place where I've been trained to deal with uh, with trauma Mm -hmm. and with uh, abuse and neglect histories uh, through my work I've been trained through that uh, and my wife obviously has been trained uh, as an interpreter um, how she is able to connect with him on a communication level uh, that other families just can't. Or, or in a way, his options are just gonna be limited. So we found ourselves in the right place, the right time, with the right resources, and felt that mm-hmm. um, that God had set this up, that we, we, we couldn't say no, you know?
1: It was okay. something that it was yeah. important. So uh, when you got the foster kid initially, were you thinking, we want to potentially ad- adopt a kid, or were you not really thinking about that? What were you thinking at that point? Uh,
0: at first, it was a big—it was a big moment to care uh, for the kid, uh, and we had already established a relationship prior to him coming into our care. Okay. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that that he was taken care of through the process, his mm-hmm. situation and his circumstances. Um, and so it was, like I said last year had conversations with a friend and uh so our our willingness to pursue that route mm-hmm. was there we hadn't committed necessarily to it uh right off the, the bat for sure um but but we knew that if uh, adoption became an option that we would uh definitely be open to that um okay we don't we didn't want to make a relationship and then break a relationship uh, yeah. especially if he needed us. You know?
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know a family who adopted eight kids, and then they got a divorce.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I... Oh, that is so rough. I.
1: It is. It really you know, is. The, those, those kids are going to have trust issues, for sure. It's
0: true. It's so true. And, like, you know, it's a commitment that as a Christian again I see marriage as a covenant that means that it can't be broken mm-hmm. um, and it shouldn't be broken um, and so bringing children into the world through your own children and biological children anyway you're making a commitment to them too yeah you know you mm-hmm. and so when you are bringing somebody out of your family into your family through adoption of through foster care that kind of commitment is even more so because you didn't mm-hmm. have to take that kid on, you know. Yeah. Um, but you chose to. That's hard. I I feel sorry for the kids in that situation. hmm Um, I do hope that they have a, a, you know, some stability through the divorce process, but yeah,
1: that's unfortunate. It is. So, have you had a um Have you had a desire in the past to adopt kids like even before you were married or has that been a thought in your mind
0: um, a little bit uh, like I said through the, through our through my Christian faith um, the pure and undefiled religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans mm-hmm. right and uh, so I think kids who are in the foster care system or uh, yeah, particularly in the foster care system, fall under the orphan category. Um, that's James 126. Um And I think that I've always considered it to be an option, not seriously for myself. I've always promoted it for mm-hmm. other people. Um, there's the uh, Compa- Holt International, uh, which is an organization that works, I think, through Winter Jam uh the concert winter jam and uh i have i have volunteered at that concert for several years and they had an adoption pro or a sponsor program uh through that um and i did i volunteered for that probably uh junior high through high school several years in between those two okay. and uh and so that had been kind of a focus of the concert mm-hmm. area um was to to look at these kids who need yeah. uh, assistance and, and so take care
1: of them. So did that spark your interest? Is that
0: that probably you know gave a good? It planted some seeds. Let's say that it planted some seeds in my mind um, okay. that I
1: wasn't avert. Uh, uh, you know, I had no aversion. Yeah. To adoption. Um. So how did you wind up with this specific kid? So.
0: we had an opportunity to to work with a child uh while he was still with his biological family um and took care yeah yeah we we were able to take care of him uh off and on um when when the family needed it um and when the situation came where he needed to be removed from that family Mm -hmm. uh we were Uh, A place that he could feel safe and so we we opened our doors uh, for him to to come and live with us during for the meantime Mm -hmm. Um, when when circumstances showed uh, that that this wasn't just a you know a short time thing uh, that it was going to be more of a long term um, we again saw that as an opportunity to uh, take care of him provide for him give mm-hmm. him resources that he was lacking beforehand uh, and just were waiting on the courts yeah. to make a decision one way or the other um, <coughs> and of course that's still a process uh, we that that started last year in September mm-hmm. and so we have been taking care of him for the last year and a couple
1: months Okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing you can't talk about the situation that led to him being removed from the home.
0: No, I can't. <laughs> Our foster kid is deaf, and so that means that uh, from the moment he was born, he he was tested to be profoundly deaf, uh, which just means that um, there are certain there are certain things that he can hear, but that is like probably less than one percent of any sound that exists. Okay. You know so. Um, he would probably be able to hear uh, a motorcycle just because of the different frequencies that it's okay. on. So it's a frequency thing, not an amplitude thing. Right. Okay. Right. So yeah, if it's louder, it's not like he's gonna hear you if you speak louder. Okay. Uh, there's, you know, there's a chart. I wish I, I could remember it, um, but they they have a list of things that he could hear and things that he can't hear, and obviously. It's like hums and stuff like that. You can't distinguish speech. That's okay. a big thing. Yeah. A lot of people, a misconception with, with the deaf is that if they could only hear, then they would be able to understand, you know? But it's also an association, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, up until the age of two or three, uh, there's a lot of neurological pathways that are developed uh, that a child will hear things and they will associate it with whatever that sound is. Where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and those things are developed. And again, I'm no ex- expert on it, um, but for him, he had no aid or no uh, surgeries or treatments or anything uh, since he was born. And so <clears throat> he grew up just without any, any development in his ears, meaning that uh, he can't, Hear practically anything. Profoundly deaf. He um, And because of that, uh, he needed a language in order to communicate. Uh, again, children learn language within the first couple years of birth. Yeah. And uh, and he didn't have access to language uh, well beyond that. And when he did get access to certain language it wasn't reinforced right because. and so um, he might learn yeah. the alphabet you know but if he's not taught it and practicing it it just kind of in one well not in one ear out the other it's more in through the eyes and never replicated through signing yeah. you know um, and so for him uh, he did not have a development of language, mm-hmm. so he was probably communicating at half his age level. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for an eight-year-old, speaking at a four or signing at a four-year-old communication level. Yeah. Um, which is which is a huge detriment to him. He's not going to be mm-hmm. able to pick up math and reading and uh, and anything if he's held at that uh, level of of education. You're gonna
1: have to wait for him to catch up.
0: Yes, and uh, and a lot of people just don't have the resources to to catch up that much.
1: Do you feel like he's coming up to speed, like he's catching up, or do you feel like he's more offset in his development of language ability? You know, uh,
0: language-wise, expressing himself, he is caught up. Um, He is on par with his peers, he probably even has a a little bit. he's a little bit more um, how do you say this <clears throat> he can express himself better uh, I would say than several of his peers because he's uh, been given focused treatment so to speak um, to improve in those areas uh, so I think that expression he's on par um, as far as the rest of his grade level uh, he is working his way up uh, a lot of that is reading and writing, and because mm-hmm. English is not his first language, yeah. ASL American Sign Language is his first language. Um, he's, it's, you know, it's going to be harder for him to catch up, yeah. but he is doing pretty well, and he's exponentially uh, progressing more so than he was uh, before care, for sure. Well, That's good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and he's a smart kid. He adapts well. Um, I think the areas that he, he will continue to struggle with and need improvement on are on the emotional levels. Um, yeah. Just being able to separate uh, his feelings in a way that he can address them appropriately. Yeah. Um, and you know, that probably goes for all kids, all, you know, all, yeah. all kids, all teenagers are going through a process of learning how to emotionally cope with things, mm-hmm. uh, but more so because of his history. Yeah. Yeah, it's something he's going to have a while to work with. I was I was working as a family and community specialist at the juvenile office. And we would work with kids uh, who were all over the place on educational uh, development. And we probably had a class size of like five to 10 people, 10 to, five to 10 kids. Mm-hmm and uh and we had to be really specific and focused with each one of those kids in order to try to get them ahead or get them on track yeah um so so i understand how important it is to get those things taken care of early yeah um which he was just at a disadvantage of
1: yeah so how do you feel about using the word special needs
0: uh you know i i i in a general sense, I don't have a problem using it, yeah. uh, particularly for kids who um, who deal with autism or ADHD, uh, who haven't developed to their age level mm-hmm. or to their expected age range. Um, I don't have a problem with special needs. In regards to the deaf, though, I would say that they aren't uh, that they aren't falling into that category of special needs unless they have autism or ADHD things that would you know maybe not even ADHD, but things that would uh, kind of compile upon each other mm-hmm. uh, because as long as they have access to communication and the language, they can be on, on track with anybody yeah so the fact that they're deaf doesn't uh, doesn't put them in a bad position for mm-hmm. learning or for growing um, as long as they have access to language yeah
1: so would you say that you have a special needs kid or not?
0: No.
1: Okay. Probably not. No. Would you get offended if someone else said said he was a special needs kid? Uh
0: I wouldn't get offended. It's and I would just probably correct it. Okay. Um I understand that there's a lot of I mean, I just got to empathize with people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I don't know. That i could that if i'm talking about uh, i would want people to show grace and mercy to me yeah. if i say something stupid or wrong <laughs> um so i would want to show that grace towards them um because there's things i'm ignorant of you know and there's things that other people are ignorant of or just mm-hmm. haven't been in that situation before i wouldn't want to hold it against them yeah so i would just i would tell them uh i would explain it briefly okay um but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say he's special needs so how has this kid changed you? Oh, you know, oh, that's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, I look at things differently. Um, I always kind of compartmentalize, right? Uh, I go to work. That's my workspace. I go home. That's my home space. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm doing hobbies, that's all that, you know, compartmentalizing. Um, now that we, we have a, uh, a child, uh, it's not so much about what I'm doing and what I need to do. It's what they're doing and what they need to do. Yeah. Um, and so my responsibilities have increased, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a responsibility to make time for him. Uh, I have a responsibility to teach him. Even if he's going to school, mm-hmm. it's my responsibility to teach him more. Um, particularly after you, you know, yeah. I work in the school system now. You look at the things that that aren't being taught,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you're like, well, this is my opportunity, and explain it to them. So, so my responsibilities have increased. Um, my priorities have changed. Yeah. Uh, not entirely. I mean, I always knew that I needed to provide for my family, and that I needed to uh, be a good example,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, not only for children but for people around me yeah um, so I knew those things but they've just kind of been heightened okay. um, that if I'm at work I need to work to make sure that we've got enough money coming in uh, that the things that I'm signing or saying communicating mm-hmm. are being watched and so even more so they're being watched yeah and so I need to uh, be wise in what I say and how I do things yeah um, an extra set of eyes just always kind of puts you in check and makes you kind of evaluate yourself more, I think. Um,
1: Has it made you more self-aware, do you think?
0: Yes. Uh, My pet peeves uh, are definitely... I spotlighted (laughs) them several times. Um, Some of which being um, I like alone time, you know? I like being by myself... Not all the time, obviously I love being I'm like you know I'm a social person I really mm-hmm. am out pretty I'm pretty outgoing um, however, I really like just decompressing and uh, being out in nature and stuff uh, but with a child, your attention has always been you know always drawn come on give me look at me look at me look at me yeah and uh, and so I like being alone. Uh, to recharge, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, I realized several things that it took for granted. Uh, going out <laughs> to dinner, yeah, it becomes a whole different thing, <laughs> so different. Uh, you know, it doesn't—it doesn't necessarily have to be like we have to go and. It, the, the problem isn't like kid food things we have to go to. It's like, well, can we afford three people this night? Or yeah. We can't, like, date nights. Date nights are harder because we have to find a babysitter. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, staying on top of that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, there are certainly things that, that we took for granted mm-hmm. uh, that we miss.
1: But. So how does finding a babysitter for a mostly deaf kid work?
0: Yeah, well, the, the babysitter has to know sign language, right? Um, and so... One of the great things for us in our situation is that we've had a really supportive family, um, which means that we've got a lot more resources for that kind of thing, um, that they're able to, to watch him more often. Uh, and we've also been able to build some really good relationships within the deaf community, um, especially here in Springfield. Uh, there's a good deaf community here um, that we've been able to connect with several families. Yeah. Um, and that has not only been good for the babysitting side of things, but it's also been good for our education yeah. and how they raise their kids um, and how what kinds of things have helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really good, building good relationships
1: in the community. Uh, so what's school been like? And since COVID-19 is going on right now, has that affected it? Yeah. So,
0: like, just school in general? Yeah. Uh, you know, early on, before COVID and stuff, uh, we were learning parenting through, uh, you know, how to, how to teach our kids through parenting and all that. It was all fresh and new. Uh, so we kind of hit the ground running with that, really helped him with his homework, reinforced all the stuff he was learning. Uh, then, of course, you kind of zoom to March, and uh, COVID hit. Everyone's going home. It's like this temporary hiatus. Uh, classes were just like not a thing. Yeah. I mean,. <laughs> And so we had to we had to all be at home, twenty four seven, around each other, no break, and we did that for like two, three weeks, and I was like, you know, I didn't mind it because it was like spring break time, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, stay home or staycation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But that wears on you. Yeah. And uh, like I said, when you have a kid who's wanting your attention, your attention, and you have no break. Mm it really builds up a lot of stress yeah so i can only imagine having more than one kid at home Um, it was really difficult Uh, they eventually started getting classes going and he went through summer school as well Um, we did summer school virtually the first half Uh, And that was a whole different thing you talk about like kids learning how to work a computer is one thing But like having to work a computer while you're at home with all these distractions of your dog and your the smells of lunch being cooked or whatever Yeah uh, Was really difficult to get him on On track. Yeah, uh, especially for the long haul Um, But we worked through that Eventually they they opened up the school for summer school that he went to go to and that was good Then, when this semester started, they went to a two-day a week, right? So they the kid was expected to come to school in person for two days, and then the other three days they would stay home, work from home virtually. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, um, just from a practical perspective, we can't afford a babysitter for three days of the week. We have to work. We both work full time, and trying to work out a schedule that worked with that was impossible. Yeah,
1: impossible. Sounds complicated.
0: Yeah, and we both worked in the school system, you know, and so uh, we were at work all the entire time that he was going to be needing to work at school. So, um, so we worked it out with the school that he would be, and several other students would be able to come in four days a week Mm -hmm. um, and then we would just have to afford uh, that one Wednesday uh, babysitting. Um, So that worked out pretty well. Um, Again, scheduling was a hard deal to to work with uh, and also finding a babysitter who can consistently come and who also could sign. Yeah, Uh, Took a little bit of effort for sure, uh, but we found a person and she was Really, really good, very gracious. Um, she watched him and we were able to work consistently. Now, this is the first week uh, that all schools are four days. Uh, we have to adjust ourselves. me and my wife have to adjust uh, for the stress of school being that large again, all the kids coming back and coming back four days. Yeah. Uh, we have to kind of resettle ourselves, regulate ourselves. Um, and we'll see how that goes because uh, right now you know uh, I think that that our kid is feeling this, the tension of that yeah uh, even just going being in school and seeing all the kids there I think that he's having to deal with that on his in his own way as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but so we'll see we'll see how that turns out in the long run
1: yeah you think you might adopt other kids in the future
0: uh maybe uh, we would we would be open to it um, Of course we' open to it this time um, never tell God no uh, if he sets yeah something up that that we can be used for the benefit of another child we would be open to it for sure. Um, not searching for that, but we would be open to it.
1: okay yeah. do you want to have biological kids of your own?
0: Uh, Still on the table. Um, This whole experience of being a parent for a year definitely puts into perspective how much (laughs) of a commitment and how much you have to devote Mm -hmm. to the child. Um, It's still on the table. Yeah, fair enough. And we're still young, so yeah, lots of time for that.
1: Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say to other people who are considering the foster care system or adoption?
0: Yeah, you know, I actually had a situation, or an opportunity. Uh, I went to a college retreat. Uh, we had we had it at the beginning of the year, New Year's kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we were there, uh, I actually ran into a man who, he and his wife were really considering foster care, uh, and but they just weren't sure, you know, they weren't convinced yet. And so I did have the opportunity to share with them my experience with it. Uh, I would tell other people, uh, again that it's a big commitment it really is there's a lot of uh history and past trauma that goes on within the kids who go through foster care yeah um so just being willing to have the patience it takes a lot of patience mm-hmm. um because they have they have been going through life in a fight or fight mode you know yeah fight or flight and for them to be in a stable home is just unusual Mm-hmm. And so they're going to do things that, that just don't make sense. Oh, yeah. Um, even even when it's like you should be happy that, that, that we're going to Chuck E. Cheese or you know, you got this whole party or whatever, there, there's going to be a variety of responses that you just don't see coming. Yeah. Um, so just having patience and understanding that's a commitment. Um, but to go for it, you know, I think ultimately people who are in a, in a position – to consider foster care that they have the resources and that they have the support the family support to do that um to that they should do it that they should go for it um I'm not on the line or on the side that says you know you should foster care 11 kids and and foster care is the end in itself Uh, I think adoption should be the end in its, the end goal that you're pursuing yeah um just because my own personal conviction, I feel like it's hard to bring a kid into a relationship with your family mm-hmm. and then to just break that relationship sometime down the road. Yeah. Um, so definitely consider uh, what your goals are. Uh, but I would I would recommend pursuing adoption if you're going into foster care. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if you feel like you can be a temporary placement uh, and build a good relationship not one that that makes you makes them feel bonded to you forever, mm-hmm. but in a place where you can have a good relationship with them and take care of them while they're you know maybe they're aging out. You know, take care of a 16-year-old for a couple of years until they can live life on their own. Yeah. Or um, you know, taking care of 11 kids who just need a place to be because there's no other place for them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a whole range of options uh, so definitely if you're feeling like you want to do it I would uh, get involved with um, with caseworkers social workers uh, who work with the juvenile office especially because they deal with kids going through situations yeah like that uh, and I would ask them the questions you know what's expected of you um, how long of a commitment you need to ex- to prepare for what classes you need to take. Uh, I would definitely just recommend it. Yeah, it's a hard thing, but it's a good thing, and you're making a difference in their life, whether it is a temporary thing or a forever thing. Yeah.
1: What have you done to help him overcome any trauma or or just baggage that he's brought with him?
0: Yeah, um, we've had therapy set up. Um, which is great. Nobody should dog therapy ever, uh, because it just it creates a safe space to discuss raw emotions and uh, perspectives. Um, so we've set up uh, therapy. Um, we've had open and frank conversations uh, about various topics, uh, ranging from um, what what normal means. And what unusual is Mm -hmm. um, because there's so many things that that he just visually sees and interprets in his mind and then he accepts that as like everyone goes through that or everyone uh, lives this way Um, so trying to reorient his mind Mm -hmm. so that he understands what
1: is normal yeah Um, it can be hard for any kid to grasp that
0: and it can it really can I mean, and this is an example not related to I- anything with our situation, but if you had a kid growing up in a home uh, who sees uh, that the, the parent, the father, you know, gets drunk and beats on the wife, and, uh, and then the next day they're all hunky-dory and they're fine, and then it happens again a week later. And then the next day, the husband and wife are hunky-dory, and it's fine. And they just accept, oh, you know what? It, it's normal for, for a man to beat on his wife. Uh, that doesn't become a bad thing. It doesn't become a, uh, something that you tell everybody, oh, no, this, this happened. It's <laughs> just like, you know, it's normal. You know, when is the last time yours? You know, and they yeah. just think that way. Um, but so it definitely can be a process that, uh, like I was saying earlier, you got to be prepared for because you have to have that conversation as a parent it's your responsibility to to tell them uh what reality is Mm -hmm. this is wrong this is right so many times people shirk that responsibility uh whether because they think that the schools can teach them that or they think that there's no such thing as right and wrong it's just your perspective what hurts you what doesn't hurt you what feels good what makes you happy yeah um so it's a big responsibility uh so we want to take that on, make sure that we had those open conversations with him. Um, and also, a lot of family involvement, right? So my parents, uh, my wife's parents, um, our, our church family, all of them being a part of his circle and yeah. his community, um, really gives him something to draw from.
1: Yeah, support networks are huge. Yes,
0: because without it, uh, I might say something to him, but if, again, if it's not reinforced by other people, uh, then it's kind of over his head or yeah. tucked away. Um, and so, being able to surround him with people who live out that life of like, oh, they're not divorced because divorce is not normal. You know, it's not it's not the goal. It's not something that uh, that is a good thing. Per mm-hmm. se. Um, they look at. Uh, how we respond to interaction you know how we respond when we get upset you know are we just freaking out and busting a person across the face or are we are we calm do we have an argument whether it's you know it might be a little bit heated but it yeah it ends up well and you have a good conversation and get over it yeah uh and so him just seeing those interactions it helps him uh interpret things correctly and keeps it it helps it to stick. Really. Yeah. You know,
1: uh,
0: I would just say that, um, that God has really set us up uh, to take Him in and to provide for Him. Uh, we are not in hurt for anything. Uh, we've been taken care of by uh, the caseworkers and through the state. Um, there's just been a lot of really good cooperation that I'm really grateful for. Um, and I think that as long as you maintain good communication with your team, especially through the foster care system, uh, they will do everything that they can to help you. Yeah. So there's nothing to be to be concerned of in that sense. Um, so yeah. So I'm just really grateful.
1: Cool. Well, awesome. thanks for talking with. Yeah, me.
0: definitely, and I appreciate the time.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Something Meaningful. I firmly believe that what I do helps both those I talk to and those who listen to the podcast or watch the videos. You can help me improve my content and reach more people by donating on my Patreon at Something Meaningful Show, on my Anchor account, by subscribing to my YouTube channel, and by sharing this with your friends. With your help, I want to get this to as many ears as possible. Help someone have a good day and have a good day yourself.